You are listening to the Gear 30 Podcast, a community, you could even call it a support group, for people addicted to outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. There is no shame here. In spite of what your spouse or partner may say, we believe it's okay to own five tents, seven backpacks, and 18 jackets. Our slogan, inspired by the great explorer Sir Ranolf Fiennes, is, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate gear. So if you're an aspiring outdoor adventurer, a mountain guide, or anyone in between, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Gear 30 Podcast, where we talk about outdoor adventuring and all the gear that goes with it. And uh, today, Uh just Brandon and I today, um, and for the next uh, few episodes, because Chase has the Rona. Got the Rona. Got the Rona. I gave him my my COVID cocktail. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't give him COVID. I gave him (laughs) the COVID cocktail. You gave him ingredients for the COVID cocktail? Yes. So that he can heal. Basically... Vitamin D, vitamin C. Yeah. Melatonin, Pepsi DC. Uh, lots of water. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't take that, and I probably should have because I wasn't super sick, but I just didn't feel awesome for like a month. He texted me and said, how do you how do you drink four liters of water a day? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you got to space it out because I in told front, him it was like. In front of the toilet. Yeah, well, that's true, but pee it out, man. It can't stay in your system if you're peeing it out. I was my... I have no scientific data to back this up, by the way. That was just my thought when I was sick. I'm like, screw you, virus. I'm going to pee you out. I'm drinking <laughs> Drink so four liters of water. Yeah. yeah. I think it worked. I mean, I had a really mild deal with well, so. Viruses yeah. can't can't breathe underwater. So. That's true. That's I have no idea if that's true. Yeah. Could be. Oh, yeah. Totally true. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about today? So let's talk about ice climbing. Uh, ice climbing is one of those sports that uh, sounds so hardcore. Sounds super hardcore. Yeah. And um, I used to ice climb a ton. I haven't ice climbed much in the last few years, but I used to climb a ton. I'm starting to get back into climbing a little bit, making a, a home bouldering wall and and trying to get back into a little bit of climbing shape. And I'd like to get ice climbing again. But the reason why it came came up is I have a a friend, we have a mutual friend who called me up and asked if they could borrow some ice climbing gear. And I thought, ice climbing, that's something I haven't done in a while. Mm, yeah. And it's kind of gotten into my head and I've been thinking about it a lot. And and it's just a super fun sport that sounds hardcore. It's not as hard or as crazy as a lot of people think. If I mean, you, you can make it as crazy as you want. But you can go upside down and stuff. If you take the technical, technical stuff away... Um, like the technical learning curve on ice climbing away physically is it harder to learn to ice climb and be in shape for ice climbing or is it harder to learn to like climb rocks so because it's it's different right it's different yeah and i would say the ice climbing is like 70 percent technique 30 percent strength and rock climbing is probably like 50 50 or maybe like i don't know 30 or 40 percent technique and 60 to 70 percent strength because you can without with good rock climbing technique you can and and not being in great shape you can still climb some pretty hard stuff but at a certain point you just have to get wickedly strong Mm. um to to keep climbing harder 
with ice, it's very much a technique thing. Um, being strong helps for sure, but because you can't, it's really hard to get overhung ice. And so uh, on vertical ice, you can be in moderate shape and climb vertical ice if you have good technique. I mean, you get your, your forearms in shape, get used to swinging and stuff, which can, um, can be done relatively quickly, a couple months of training and you're, I mean, you're good. You can climb all day pretty much. And, um, but so is it more, it's more endurance based? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, when you get into like dry tooling where you're climbing rocks with ice tools and crampons, that's more strength, um, type thing and very much technique as well. But there's a lot of strength that goes into that. But when you're actually climbing ice, it's always either vertical or slightly less than vertical. When you get on the real, real hard ice, maybe you have something that's slightly overhung as you're going from like um, one block of ice to another or something like that. But rarely is it overhung, and, and you don't really need quite the same. Strength. You can just jump, right? You just jump from oh, yeah. one thing about one. Yeah, block haven't you ever seen another. Vertical Limit? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so is, is we just doing this as a basic like overview of ice climbing? Sure. Okay, a- anybody that's listening that's thought about doing it, that's wanted to get into it. What's the basic uh, rock climbing uh, gear you would need to start before we get into the ice ice stuff? So, so you need a rope, obviously, rope harness, specific helmet. rope for ice climbing. Yeah, not. I mean, any rope will work, but you definitely want one that is dry treated, which means that it's more water resistant, has a coating on it that won't absorb water. Um, one problem you'll get into, especially on, on a lot of waterfall ice, is the ice looks like it's dry, but a lot of times you have water running underneath it or over the top of it, and, and it can get pretty wet. And if you have a rope running over the top, it can ice up very quickly. And then it's hard for the frozen rope to run through your uh, blade of ice and and your anchors and that sort of thing and so having a dry treated rope helps to helps for the rope to not i like that water we were talking basketball right before this and frozen rope is a a phrase that they use often and i kind of think hot rod hunley used to use it all the time yeah for the jazz but okay um so yeah you don't want a frozen rope yeah no no okay um so a dry treated rock climbing rope is great um, any sort of climbing harness is fine, although they do make climbing harnesses that are more specific to ice climbing, and they usually just have a couple extra loops um, on the harness that you can add ice clippers, hmm. which are these little carabiner-type things that, that you use to hold ice screws or to clip your ice tools to when you're not climbing and stuff like that. And so, But other than that, um, just any old rock climbing harness will do. And then a helmet. You definitely want a helmet. That's a that's a must. With rock climbing, if you're in a place where um, people climb all the time, you're top roping and stuff, a lot of people will climb without a helmet on. But it's always a good idea, I guess, to have a helmet. But with ice climbing, you, you just have And to. that's from the ice breaking up above or the possibility of it. And yeah. 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 Okay. If, you took a, if you took a fall um, and you hit your head on the ice or... I, yeah, ice from above. That's probably the main thing. Is you always tend to have uh, ice. The, there's a waterfall close to us um, called Malin's Waterfall, which is a real fun one to climb. <clears throat> but the, it's two pitches, and that top pitch, the second pitch, it's actually three pitches, but only two that you can see from the bottom. The second pitch um, gets 
hit by the sun in the morning first before the first pitch. So you, you can be climbing the first pitch in the shade and everything's still completely frozen, but the upper pitch is hitting the sun and you'll start seeing ice and other things starting to fall off as that the rock warms up and some of the ice comes off the rock and stuff. So I, I don't think I've ever thought about how lucky we are. I mean, that is an amazing waterfall. It is. It's the, in our freaking backyard, essentially. It's a And it's a waterfall with a history when it comes to ice climbing. I think it was the maybe the first WI-5 in... Mm. It's that oh, it's that hard? Uh-huh. Yeah, the second pitch is WI5. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the first pitch is WI4, second pitch is WI5, and then third pitch is 3 or 4. Hmm. Um, it's short, it's steeper, it's steep somewhat steep but short, it's probably a 4. And it's there every year. I mean, it's Yeah. Yeah. It's it's big. It's big, it's, it's thick, it's awesome. Accessible. What is the hike up there? Maybe thirty minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes? And if you're in good shape, thirty yeah. thirty minutes is probably pretty standard. Forty five if you're not in that great of shape. <clears throat> I've I think the fastest I've hiked it in the winter was twenty minutes up and mm, no, that's that's too fast. It's like a it's like one point eight miles, so mm. Probably 25 minutes is about as fast as I hiked it. Um, but it's it's beautiful it, just for the hike, and a lot of people go up to see it just for the hike. But the climbing up there is awesome. And I think, if I remember my history right, and I, it's possible that I'm not, but <laughs> I think it's it, I think it's the first WI-5 in the lower 48, like official WI-5. I don't remember the first person to climb it, but it was probably Jeff Lowe or... or Greg Lowe or, or George somebody Lowe or in the twenties that we had no Lowe's. idea who just like climbed stuff. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I always wonder like it was the first person to do these things. Yeah, and, uh, you forget they were badasses who lived before us. You know, like long time before us, but you never know. Um, so outside of apparel, because <clears throat> we'll leave apparel out, and then I'll let you decide whether or not to include boots and apparel or gear. What's the specific ice climbing gear you? that you need uh that's different from just regular climbing yeah just fyi greg Lowe was the first one to climb it in 1971 there we go uh so the gear that you need for ice climbing so you need your mountaineering boots boots that'll take a cramp on um you need so you've already got your harness and rope you need ice tools you need crampons those are kind of the the big thing a certain uh, and the crampons are different from glacier travel crampons right. these are uh the front points stick differently right so for verticalized crampons you can use like a, a general mountaineering crampon and they work okay but for waterfall ice you you're going to want a crampon usually with vertical front points for, instead of horizontal front points and if you just if you were to google um crampons and and click on images or whatever you'll probably see two different types of crampons you can see the crampons that have a vertical points front points and some that are horizontal the horizontal front points are awesome for giving you extra purchase and bite in softer snow or even hard snow um, but when you kick those into ice it breaks the ice a lot more mm. and um, uh, let's see vertical front points will actually penetrate the ice a lot better and um, how do you kick you kick down? No, you just vertical. Just, no, you just kick straight into the ice. I'm confused. So vertical from vertical is point straight down. 
Now, vertical front points means that if you're looking, if you're looking at the crampon straight on, like if you're holding it up in front of your face straight on to the front, those front points would, point at your face. They point at your face, yeah. but you're looking at them, they would look like they run up and down. Like they're they're taller than they are wide. Oh, interesting. Okay. And a horizontal front point is wider than they are tall. They okay. they create like a little shelf. If you kick them into snow, they create a little shelf for you to stand on. Versus the vertical ones, if you're kicking those into snow, because they're uh, because they're vertical, they would just shear right through the snow and they wouldn't mm. hold. And so in in hard ice they're great because they they break into the ice better they they penetrate the ice better and then they hold in hard ice but in snow they tend to mm. not hold so well so um those are better for ice climbing or for waterfall ice um having having a the right kind of um ice climbing gloves is a big deal because oh really yeah because a lot of people th- think well I, I need thought, a did you ever use baseball gloves? gloves did I see no like batting I, gloves no I used I used ice climbing gloves but they were so thin that they almost looked like that oh, okay. and I would just wear a thin pair of liners underneath them they were designed for ice climbing but yeah they're almost that thin mm. you know a lot of a lot of people for like dry tooling and stuff they'll use like a golf glove or, or like a batting glove, something that's real sticky and really thin and dexterous. But you'll really pump your arms out fast if you're trying to ice climb with a thick glove because it takes so much more strength to hang onto the ice tool with a thick glove versus a thin glove. So mountaineers in cold, high elevations that have to climb some ice, um, they do they use a thin glove too or just suffer through it? Yeah, I mean, you still want a glove that has really good dexterity. Um, and maybe while they're climbing, they're using a thinner glove. Probably not a super thin glove, but a thinner glove. And then when they stop, they'll throw them in some thick mittens or something. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I've done. I, I, don't, I haven't done loads of real high altitude, really cold weather, alpine climbing, like technical climbing. Any of that type of stuff I've done is just general mountaineering. Um, but for me, when I have gotten into some of the higher, colder climates and I'm doing technical ice, I just still use a thin ice climbing glove and I just put a slightly thicker liner on underneath. And then I'll have like multiple pairs of liners so that if my liners get wet or my hands get sweaty or something like that, I can swap them out. Um, because if you're, if you are working hard and you get kind of sweaty or something like that, then your hands can really get cold. So I like to always have dry liners. Um, but yeah, a really dexterous glove is a big deal. And, uh, like a ski glove, a thick ski glove doesn't do the trick. Um, a lot of people that I've taken ice climbing for the first time will bring their ski gloves because that's what they have and that's fine, but they get so tired and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is way harder than I thought it would be. What about like, like, well, it would be half as hard if you had the proper. Better, yeah. What about, um, just thinking if you didn't have enough, a lot of money or something, but if you had like a thinner Kinko glove or something, a a leather glove that would maybe work until you. Yeah. Splurged on some ice climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Just anything that is water resistant and has really good dexterity. Mm. That'll do the trick. And then just put a thin liner glove underneath it. If you, if you're a little cold, one thing when you're ice climbing is that your hands are going to get cold, 
because they're up above your head. So you're not getting real good circulation to them. They're, they're up above your head a little bit. And um, Did you walk around the house with your hands above your head to get used to it? <laughs> it's training. It's training. <laughs> hands up. Uh, so, um, so back in the day, they used to use leashes so that your arms were attached to your ice tools. Mm. And, um, and so your, your arms were stuck above your head and there was nothing you could do about it. It was hard to get those leashes off. Um, and, and to be able to kind of let your, let your hands down below your heart and get some blood circulating and warm your hands up and, um, all that stuff. It was real hard. Now they usually, uh, ice climbers will use a tether, which attaches your ice tools to your harness but not your hands so that you can let go uh, and shake your hands out and stuff like that. And some people just climb without anything. That's what I preferred, but I have dropped ice tools before. Well, that's how do you, then now what do you do? Um, if I'm climbing, if I'm climbing something that if I'm just like lapping a pitch of ice or something like that, it drops to the bottom. Oh, well, I just lower or I keep climbing with one ice tool. Mm. I was on a, um, there's a there's a one cool spot on Mainland's waterfall where there's a pillar of ice that's like 25 feet tall and just dead vertical, and it's really cool because when you want to try to get out onto the pillar, you can climb up a different section and then step over kind of a, a gap, and it's it's kind of a fun move. And so I was doing that, and I was wasn't really I was talking, I was taking some people up there for the first time, and um, I was on top. I think I was on top rope. I'd already let it. I think I was on top rope at that point, but I was, um, one of the other guys had, had climbed, had done that move and climbed up that pillar. And I was up there and I was talking to him, wasn't really paying that close of attention. And I went and, and swung over onto the pillar and I, my ice tool glanced off the edge of a ice funny and it fell out of my hand. So I only had one ice tool. I thought, well, I'm just going to see. I'm on top rope. It doesn't matter yeah. if I fall. I'll just see how this goes. And I ended up climbing the pillar with one ice tool. And it was cool. Like, it was really cool. And it wasn't too hard. Um, I just, like, I would get a solid stick and then get my feet in a good place. And then I'd just kind of fill around the ice until I found felt something that had a bit of an indent that felt solid to hang on to. And when you're ice climbing, you have good technique. You're standing on your feet. So you're the hand that I was using is really just kind of holding me against the ice. I'm not pulling myself up with it. And so I would just kind of find a good spot to hold on to, hold myself against the ice and then take my ice tool out and, and swing up higher. And then I'd hang from that one tool while I got my feet up higher. And anyway, so I was able to climb the rest of the waterfall, probably another 60 feet up with just one tool. And it was, that's a long way. Cool. Yeah, it was. And it was fun. Cause I didn't, I'd never done that before. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Um, but if I was climbing a climb that was more committing, I was, I was trying to summit something or it was a, you know, eight pitch climb or something. And I didn't, I'd probably have an extra ice tool with me on my, on my harness in case I dropped one, or I would just use tethers at that point, probably just to be extra safe. Hmm. Um, okay. What, how do you dress? So like you're going skiing? Or touring? Yeah, kind of. So you're going to be working up a sweat. I mean, you get you get warmer from ice climbing probably than I do. I mean, just as warm maybe as you do touring. And um, 
So when I'm climbing, I usually on my bottoms, I'm wearing a, a soft shell pant. And maybe if it's extra cold out, I'll wear a base layer and then a soft shell pant. Something that has a lot of stretch and I can move well in. And then I have some happy pants, the synthetic insulated pants. We've talked about these. Pants, yeah. Right, yeah. Insulated I, pants. Yeah, so I have those for belaying because just wearing a thin base or thin uh, soft shell pant gets pretty cold yeah. when it's zero degrees out. So I'll have those happy pants for belaying. But when I'm climbing, I, I generally just, you're working hard so you don't get cold. And, uh, and then my upper layer, I usually have a base layer, a thin like grid fleece jacket, and then some sort of soft shell or uh, lightweight shell that'll keep the water off that that's still stretchy, can, can block the wind. Kind of, kind of ran those two together. Do you, do you wear a base layer and a grid fleece or is your grid fleece the base layer? I usually wear both okay. now, but it just depends on the, on the temperature. I've been, um, I've been climbing where it's like 30 to 35 degrees and really you only need a, a base layer and a soft shell. And then when it's 10 degrees, you might want a base layer, good fleece and soft shell. When is it too warm to climb ice? Um, uh, I think it totally depends on the situation, but 40 degrees, 35 degrees. The problem is, is like you can be... Like I've climbed ice in the spring when everything's melting out and the ice, but if it's not, if it's not vertical ice, if it's like slightly less than vertical and you're climbing up a goalie or something, you're probably okay. I mean, it gets sketchy if there's a lot of water running off it and stuff like that. But, um, if you're on dead vertical ice and it's above 32, 33, 35 degrees, that starts to get sketchy because then you can, um, start to have ice above you falling and, and breaking and stuff like that melting so um, but as far as the ice goes if you're in like zero degrees or 10 degrees and you're climbing ice the ice is going to be brittle because it's so cold it's it's really hard ice but it also is brittle and so it breaks a lot more if it's like 35 degrees the ice tends to be softer and it's almost easier to climb hmm. um when you swing your ice tools in or you kick your crampons in, they just stick real easily and it doesn't break as much ice and stuff. And so there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Obviously, ice free or water freezes at 32 degrees. So anything above that, you're starting to, uh, I don't know, ask for it, I guess. Yeah. But climbing ice that's when the temperature is around 32 degrees is actually really nice. So uh, base layer, grid fleece, and then just a shell. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I usually use. And then and then I'll have a belay jacket. And I usually, if I'm climbing multiple pitches, I'll usually have that in a small backpack as well as my insulated pants and, and water and food or whatever. That you're climbing with a small backpack on? Okay. Because then when I get to my belay spot, I might be up there for an hour or 45 minutes or something while my partner comes up, depending mm. on who I'm climbing with. And so you get pretty cold. And so I'll have like an extra pair of gloves, like a warm pair of belay gloves. Um, my insulated pants, down jacket, or just belay jacket of some sort, warm drink, that sort of thing. And then, um, so yeah, you're dressed pretty light and pretty thin while you're climbing. And then you've got your warm stuff to throw on. And, and I've heard it called, you've got your like action suit and your belay suit. Mm. 
and you're wearing your action suit, similar to like your birthday suit, but not quite the same. No, that's my action suit. <laughs> <laughs> Different type of action. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, you're you're pretty thin. You're not wearing loads of clothes because you just get too warm. Mm. And if you get too warm and you get sweaty, then you really get cold. So you you don't want to get sweaty. And so you're dressing as thin as you need to to not sweat, but not so much that you're freezing cold while you climb. And then you throw on your real warm stuff while you're sitting around at the belay. So let's chat just a, l- a little bit about technique because you mentioned it a, a lot. Yeah. So what's the different or what's like proper technique? Yeah, there's if you go onto YouTube, there's probably some videos that will teach you how to do it right and how to do it wrong. And there's probably some people teaching you how to do it wrong that are telling you that that's the right way to do it. The way I like to do it, and um, I, I like to kind of imagine that you're you're building you're you're kind of building an A between your feet and your ice tool. So you've got your feet wide. Um, that's the base of the A, and then each ice tool is kind of centered in your body, making the top of the A. And um, your ice tools, a lot a lot of times you see, an ice, or you imagine an ice climber would be climbing, and his ice tools are to the side of him, like shoulder width to the side, and they're climbing up. I actually like to bring my ice tools together, and instead they're kind of in a vertical line above each other, and they may vary a little bit depending on where I need to swing but they're going to be kind of in a vertical line above each other. And so I'm just taking those ice tools um, kind of in a, in a straight line almost up the ice, just leapfrogging each ice tool as I climb. And then my feet are wide, and they're kind of the base that I'm standing on. And so what I do, and I don't know if this is making any sense. Like, um, s- like squat width maybe? Yeah. Yeah, shoulder width or slightly shoulder. wider. Okay. Slightly wider than shoulder, probably. But what I do is I will swing an ice tool in, get a solid stick, and then I hang from that ice tool, like almost on one arm. Well, actually, I'll have both ice tools in, one above the other. And then I'll hang from those ice tools as I kind of hike my feet up into the ice, and then I get my feet up. So I'm I'm hanging and I hike my feet up so it almost looks like I'm squatting or sitting and then I kick my toes into the ice and then I stand up on my tools and so as I stand up that arm that was extended now comes to about my chest level. Mm. My my upper hand is about chest level and I kind of stand on my feet and lock off there and then I pull out my lower tool that's now about waist level, work that out and then I bring that up above and I swing that upper tool in high um, so that my arm's almost extended. Once I get a good stick there, then I hang from that arm and hike my feet up and stand up again. And I just keep doing that um, all the way up. There's there's another technique where you're actually swinging each tool between hiking your feet up, and that's just so exhausting. It it takes way more because you're swinging twice as much. And so it takes way more arm strength and and that sort of thing a lot more endurance to do that and that's what you'll see a lot of newer climbers doing because uh, it just feels more secure if you've got two solid axes to hang from but when you start getting comfortable and starting to trust start trusting your axe you'll find that hanging with most of your weight from one axe is really solid and so that's how that's how i like to do it i climb a lot faster 
a lot more efficient, don't get as tired that way. And, and it's, it's really solid now that I'm used to it. It, I mean, it feels as safe and as solid as anything. Um, and when, when you say good stick, is there a certain amount of distance the axe goes into the ice or just you can feel it when you hit it? It's kind of a feel thing. Okay. Yeah, depending on the type of ice you're in. If, for example, you hit ice on a bulge, like a convex bulge um, versus a concave bulge, which isn't a bulge. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's a dip or That's something. A, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so if you hit ice on a bulge, it's more likely to shatter. Mm-hmm. And um, but if you hit in kind of a concavity, then it's pretty solid. The ice really isn't going to shatter, or very rarely is going to shatter that way. And so, if you hit um, and hit your pick into one of those, and it doesn't sink super deep, um, it's still probably pretty solid. And it it depends too on the ice, how hard the ice is, and you know if you're climbing up slush, which happens sometimes. Climbing up slush versus climbing up really solid, um, pristine ice. Um, sometimes you might just have your pick in, I don't know, half to three quarters of an inch, and sometimes it might be two inches into the ice, depending on the, the type of ice and stuff. But you can kind of tell. Sometimes you'll you'll swing and your your pick will go in, and there's a little bit of vibration or something when it goes in, and you just it just doesn't feel real solid. And then sometimes you swing and it just is... Like, Does I don't it know, ever like, feel solid and it's not? Or if it's in, it's in? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can it, it can feel solid. Well, I don't know. Very rarely. I, th- I can't think of a time in the last, I mean, maybe when I was a new climber and I didn't know what I was doing, um, did I have a stick that I thought was solid and it slipped out? But I don't think in the last hundred times I've been ice climbing, I've had a stick that slipped on me when I wasn't expecting it. Um, there's a lot of a lot of climbers out there, professional climbers who who solo a lot of hard ice, and just they feel so solid on it that they just mm. have no problem. And I understand where that's coming from because um, I've soloed quite a bit of ice in my day, and and usually easier ice, not not the hard ice that the pros do. Um, but I've soloed a lot of ice, and I just feel so solid on it, so comfortable on it, because I feel I've I've done so much climbing over the years that I feel like I know what good ice and bad ice is. Um, I've gotten into some tricky situations, not soloing, but ice climbing, where um, the good ice deteriorated and. You, when you look at ice, you can kind of, you can look into the ice and you can see sometimes a waterfall will, you'll get a whole bunch of, um, a whole bunch of thin icicles that will sort of form together, but they don't connect. And so there's a lot of air pockets in between the ice. And so you'll swing in and your, and your ice pick will go in deep, but it's, mostly in air like it goes through parts of the ice but it's mostly in air and then when you pull on that it can kind of shear through the ice Mm. sometimes and you can feel that because when you swing into it it feels like you're swinging into air a little bit i mean Mm. you hit something hard but then it it gives and it just doesn't feel that solid but when you're in thick solid ice it it has a different feel there's not the same vibration it's it's a different sound it just it feels different and so I don't know. For me, for a new climber, you you 
you just need a lot of mileage on the ice. Get Climb a ton and you'll get used to what feels good and what doesn't feel good and what sounds good, doesn't sound good, what looks good and doesn't look good. Okay, so and then this is so thorough. This is good. This is, uh, but last thing I wanted to touch on was uh, ice screws fascinate me. I'm like, okay, how do you... Because a bolt on a rock, I'm like, okay, I get, I get how right, that works. Right. But how does the ice screw work? It feels like I cannot trust this thing. But yeah. well, an ice screw in salt and good ice, I mean, it's as solid as can be. You could hang a car from it, really. Like they're solid, but an ice screw in bad ice is not solid at all. <laughs> and so you can kind of tell the quality of the ice as you screw it in, but um, there's a rule that I really like to follow in ice climbing, and that is just just don't fall. Um, because you put an That's ice... That's a good... I mean, it's a good climbing tip. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you put an ice screw in, and you think it probably will hold, but you never really know, so you just don't mm. test it. Okay. Now, I have seen ice climbers fall on ice screws and do just fine. I personally have never fallen when I've been leading. I've fallen on top rope. That's... When you're on top rope, that's the time to push the limits and get out of your comfort zone and try hard things. But the top ropes are usually uh, you're tied off on a rock or something. Yeah, you got some anchor above yeah. somewhere, so you're yeah you're not usually um, top roping off of ice. Although sometimes you can, um, but when you're top roping and you fall, you're not putting a ton of stress and energy into the anchor because you're not falling very far. Um, when you're leading, you might take a big fall. I've seen, I saw a climber up on Maylands one time who was leading, who really shouldn't have been, didn't really know what was what he was doing. Um, and I applaud him for getting after it and doing his best because he was the most experienced of his group, mm. but still not that experienced. Um, he took like a 30, probably a 25 or 30 foot fall. And the ice screw held just fine. It was in good ice and it held no problem. But, um, and when you put ice screws in, you can kind of, you can kind of tell how solid they are by, as you're screwing it in, the ice screws are hollow and you'll get a little ice core that comes out. And if the ice core, uh, is relatively solid, then it comes out as a tube, then you're probably in pretty decent ice. But if it comes out as like snow crystals or ice crystals, just kind of falling out of it, well, you may not be. I think that this is this like 10 years from now there'll be ice screws that you can screw in and then it's like an app that goes to your watch and it'll be tell you like the level of how how well it's gonna hold 72 percent confidence yeah 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 (laughs) yeah okay i'll go with that takes out all the fun yeah i think uh i think the best thing you can do with ice climbing is just get lots of practice because you start to learn what is what is good and what's not what's what are good sticks what what kicks in the ice with your crampons you can stand on uh what kicks in or swings with your ice tools you can hang on um what ice screws feel solid which ones don't um but i would say the most important rule when you're leading is just don't fall well that's a good overview of of the whole ice climb beginner ice climbing i think next um or in a future podcast we should chat about locations and stuff but um that's a that was 30 minutes of oh good stuff well good yeah Yeah, hopefully uh i know there's not a lot of people that really want to ice climb but there's a few crazy ones out there the thing the thing that i would like to encourage 
you if you're interested in ice climbing don't let it freak you out because honestly yeah, it seems intimidating for sure it's it's really not any if you have the right the right gear and you have a good person a good experienced person that can take you it's really not much more dangerous than your a rock climb um you just you just need to be smart about it and usually the best way to be smart about it is um is to go with someone who's done it a lot and knows what they're doing and is really experienced. Probably do that instead of YouTube only. Yeah. 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 And then, and once you get on, I mean, go with someone on a hard, to some hard place that where they can set up a top rope and then just do lap after lap after lap. I got really good at rock climbing one year or at ice climbing one year because me and a buddy went up to Maylands like three times a week oh. and we set up a top rope. And he and I, we would set up two ropes, two fixed lines, and we just use the senders on our harness. And we would just both climb at the same time and do laps. And and we had different lines or whatever, and we would we would climb Malins five times in a morning. I mean, and each and just just the first pitch, and that's a hundred hundred and twenty feet, hundred feet something. That's not a hundred and twenty, probably probably eighty five feet actually because one rope could reach 85 to 90 feet pitch, but we'd climb it five, five, four, five, six times in a morning, and we'd do it like three times a week. We'd climb all these different spots, the steepest spots, the less steep spots, just all the different stuff. And um, Well, you really get to know that, that, that ice. Get to know that, that waterfall, but also yeah. you just kind of get, because there's all different types of ice on that waterfall depending on where you climb. And you really start to learn what ice is good ice and what stuff isn't. I mean, when you've got a hundred, uh, hundred days of four hundred feet of vertical ice or something like that, you're you're pretty good at at knowing what's good and what's mm-hmm. not. And then um, that was our training spot. So we were training on WI four, sometimes WI five ice, and then we would go to new places and climb. And I would lead WI four or even WI5, and I felt super comfortable. I mean, I I felt like so comfortable that I could stop halfway up a WI5 pitch and take pictures and get a drink. Like, I wouldn't do that, but that's how comfortable I felt on it. And so that's when I knew I can lead this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, if I felt like I was on ice that was pushing my my skill level, then I wouldn't personally lead it. Um, I don't... I don't care enough about being like the baddest ice climber out there to to risk that for me. And I have family, I have kids, that sort of thing. And so I never, when I would lead a pitch, I always felt completely within my limits. And then I would push my limits when I was on top rope. If you're looking for inspiration <laughs> out there, uh, there's, I mean, besides searching hashtag ice climbing, um, if you're looking for people to follow, I've always been a huge fan of Will Gadd and his yeah. work. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. Not necessarily the upside down hangy kind of guy um, all the time. More long haul stuff and big stuff. But yeah, he's Will Gadd came to Ogden years ago, and that's I think we all became a fan of him at the time because he was so personable and he was funny and he really down to earth. Amazing climber, but just really down to earth. You'd never know he was so good anyway i i kind of fell in love with 
his stuff at the time, but he really pushed the limits of mixed climbing, really pushed the limits of uh, what you can what you can do with ice climbing. He climbed a Helmican Falls, which is like an overhung rock area with a waterfall that comes over the top of it. And then during the winter, you get all the mist that, that blows into the rock and freezes. And so you've got this overhung ice, which is just crazy. And so he was climbing that when that wasn't when that was kind of a new thing and um he's been a pioneer but he's he's awesome to watch there's some other hardcore ice climbers out there that are pretty cool for inspiration but again if you want to do it and you want to be safe go with someone who's done it get loads and loads and loads of mileage on top rope um practice setting screws that sort of thing when you're on the ground like when you're at the base of a waterfall try putting in screws practice that type of thing um, putting in screws while you're on a vertical waterfall is uh, is a skill, uh, an important skill in itself, and it can be unnerving to do that because when you're trying to push a screw into the ice while you're right on the edge of that, it feels like you're pushing yourself off the waterfall to try to get that screw started, and it takes practice learning how to do that and stuff. So do that on the ground. Just practice all that stuff on the ground. Uh, one thing I like to do to get into shape for ice climbing season is I um, will stand against a fence with my toes against the fence and I'll hook a, an ice tool uh, over the top of the fence or on one of like horizontal um, pieces of wood that the, the fence is screwed to, whatever that's called. <laughs> um, and then I will... I'll hook it onto there and I will do squats and help like with one arm, one arm squats with my toes against the fence and I'll stand up and I'll, I'll do that because that movement is such an important movement. You're doing that over and over and over when you're ice climbing, but that helps get my arms in shape, gets my shoulders and my lats and stuff in shape, but it also helps just get me comfortable with that movement over and over again. And so I'll do that for, um, Every morning for, um, I don't know, 50, I'll do like three sets of 50 or three sets of 30 or whatever and work my way up. And then when the ice season's there, I start, um, and then I, I'll usually do a a bunch of laps on low, lower angle, easier ice, stuff like that to get my, my forearms in shape for, for swinging. And when you're swinging your ice tool, you're not swinging as much from your elbow or from your shoulder. You're kind of flicking your wrist a lot more. And um, and so I just kind of get used to that movement and, and swing a bunch and try to, to get that early in the season so that by like mid-December when the bigger waterfalls are forming, I'm in great shape and I can take on the big ones right off the bat. Wow. So, Sweet. Anyway. Awesome. All right. Good stuff. Well, thanks for joining us for the podcast today. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends if you would. And check out gear30.com. That's G-E-A-R-T-H-I-R-T-Y.com for deals on the latest and greatest outdoor gear. We have, uh, yeah, 15% off um, winter apparel right now, I think. so. Awesome. Yeah. All righty. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. We're, we're missing to see you out there. <laughs> yeah. See you out there. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>